Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolfe. The data is clear about the importance of children being able to read on grade level by third grade as a foundation of their education and future success. Today, we will delve into some shifts in how we think about early literacy and the direction the state and other partners are heading in regard to literacy. I'd like to welcome to the show Monroe Richardson, the Executive Director of Read Charlotte, and Johanna Anderson, the Executive Director of the Belk Foundation. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for, Thanks for having us, Marianne. Both of you and your organizations have an unyielding commitment to literacy and early childhood. And I wonder if you would both share a little bit about your respective goals and why this is such an important foundation for addressing equity for North Carolina. Early grade achievement is one of the two primary focus areas of the Belk Foundation. Uh, we spent years looking at what matters the most when it comes to predicting a child's academic success. And again and again, we came back to early literacy as a primary indicator. Uh, so since 2013, the Belk Foundation has been focused on supporting early reading development, not only here in our backyard in Charlotte, North Carolina, but looking at important movements happening across the state that ensure that children are getting quality reading support in their early elementary grades. Uh, Read Charlotte is a uh, community-wide initiative uh, here in Mecklenburg County, and we are focused on the um, grade span from birth to third grade. Uh, our goal is to coordinate, integrate, and align the efforts and work of dozens of organizations, large and small, in uh, our county um, with the clear goal of uh, improving um, early uh, literacy outcomes, specifically third grade reading outcomes um, for children in our community. We are part of the North Carolina campaign for grade level reading, so there are over a dozen organizations across the state that are similarly focused on improving early literacy from birth through third grade. I wonder if you would be willing to share a little bit more about what we're hearing term the science of reading and how that fits into the work that you've been doing. Lots of people are um, trying to pay attention to this, whether they actually um, fully understand what it is or not, but they know it's important and they should be paying attention to it. Um, for us, it's really about what do we know about the process by which children learn to read. Um, it connects both the neuroscience of brains and brain development, um, but also the actual um, process by which we connect um, our oral language and our oral comprehension um, to written language and our ability to um, read words off the printed page and also to construct meaning from those words. And there has been a great deal of research, in fact, reading is one of the most subject, uh, research subjects um, in, in education. Uh, I think these days it's about how do we apply our knowledge of the process by which children learn to read uh, to be able to help more children effectively read, um, especially by the end of third grade. And Monroe, how has this played into your work in Charlotte and the really ambitious goals that Read Charlotte has set? Back in 2016, we did a massive review of evidence-based interventions. We looked at over 30 databases and clearinghouses across the country. Um, we put together what we called the Reading Success Pathway, which are a set of skills and competencies that all children need to master to be able to read um, proficiently by the end of third grade. When you look at those skills and competencies, you see them addressed in um, the, the work around science of reading. 
we work to identify what are the most effective interventions and strategies that are aligned to those various parts of the reading success pathway. And then how do we uh, connect um, in a coherent fashion um, those strategies um, around the children in our community? How do we bring community partners around um, supporting those strategies? And then how do we help build their capacity to effectively um, implement those strategies in a way that are really making a difference and moving the needle for kids in Mecklenburg County? But what we need uh, uh, to build on that is really a science of reading instruction that helps inform educators on how you guide children through this process. Um, it's one thing to look at how children learn to read. It's another to know how do you help guide them through that process. So we need a science of reading instruction that will help us better understand how do we connect student data with assessment? How do we optimize classroom time to meet the needs of each child in the classroom? How do we help inform teachers' discretionary moves? And then how do we understand the specific actions that teachers and others can take to meet the individual needs of each child in the classroom. So while the science of reading um, is important to understand the foundations of how children learn to read, equally important is the science of reading instruction that tells the adults in children's lives the actions they can take to successfully move children through that process. And Johanna, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about why the science behind reading matters so much and who it will affect the most in your mind. We know that some kids um, certainly pick up reading easier than others. That's happening in my own household where I have two children who I can immediately see are on different um, trajectories when it comes to developing their reading. Um, but we know and the research has confirmed again and again that um, kids need both the decoding skills and some really, really benefit, actually a big percentage benefit from systematic explicit phonics. And they also need really rich development in comprehension, vocabulary, meaning making. Um, I think oftentimes folks have unfortunately uh, shorthanded science of reading to equal phonics. And that is so not the full picture, and it, it really hurts the um, rich, deep conversation around what do we know so far about how children best develop reading. And um, I think the, the movement in the state that's so exciting to see is that there's a real openness to getting up to speed on the latest brain science and research around reading development. There's a lot known, there's a lot still to be uncovered and understood. And I think um, what I appreciate most in not only our partners like Monroe and um, nonprofits that we support, but also educators that I speak with and is a sense of curiosity and wanting to, wanting to know um, the best of what's out there for the sake of the kids that they're trying to serve and have had the pleasure of meeting a lot of people over the years who approach this at their heart with, with deep curiosity and a commitment to what works for kids. What would this look like if we're successful? Success looks like opening up the capacity and potential of two really important groups of people. Um, the first is our students. We know that the capacity and potential of our students in North Carolina far exceeds what we've been seeing on the EOG scores over the last six years. But the second important group is our teachers. And it's also opening up their capacity. And when they're supported in the right ways, 
when they're provided with the right kinds of information and supports, we also can open up their capacity and potential as professionals uh, so that we can fully achieve um, our goals for our classrooms, but frankly, for our goals for our state overall. If, if they are a struggling reader, they remember that. And it, and it creates a mindset and it can be a major deterrent, um, not only in the, you know, actually reading of and acquiring knowledge and um, the way that their brain is having to continue to struggle towards that in future years, but, but also how they see themselves as a learner and as a capable um, growing um, student. And so I would say that um, success is not, not solely the ability to read well and comprehend and be a fluent reader, but to also see themselves as an active participant in their learning because they have that skill development um, that, they're, that they're able to just launch forward. And so, yes, we'd love to see assessments in, you know, improve, right? But we also will know it's successful when we go into second, third, fourth, fifth grade classrooms and we don't see students you know, struggling. We see them excited about learning. I wonder if you could share a little bit more about how this aligns with the Leandro plan recommendations and others to really further those literacy efforts. Well, I think an important thing that we need to grapple with as a state is the growing numbers of alternative certified or residency licensed teachers. Um, the growth there in itself is not an issue. Um, I think we need to keep um, forefront, you know, how can we best prepare and support teachers into the profession with the kind of preparation that they need so that they can be ready for kids day one? Because whether you're coming through an alternative entry program or you're coming through a four-year university program, you're still faced with kids, um, you know, come, come late August, who would expect and, and demand and need for you to be ready to teach them. Uh, this is incredibly important in the early years too. We can't underscore this enough that you don't have a year to learn on the job. You really need to, to know how to hit the ground running. And so when it comes to Leandro's um, inspection of what it means to develop of a well-qualified, well-prepared workforce, this is something that our state really needs to take seriously. And we need to look at systems across the human capital system, but I think particularly in um, better identifying when it comes to preparing a teacher to teach reading in the early grades, what are those core capacities and skills that they need to know? And what does the classroom environment, the, the data that they have at their disposal, the coaching that they have surrounding them, the materials and curricula that they have to use, how can that all be connected so those students are getting the best shot possible with the instructional environment they have. Important. And Monroe, I would love to hear just a little bit more from you as we wrap up on guidance you have for families and for educators who are really curious about this shift and what they can do to best support uh, students. Well, uh, you know, there are lots of families that um, I think in this time of the pandemic who may have been less connected to what has been happening in schools and the, the types of education that their children receive have really had you know, a rude awakening in terms of understanding the complexity that's involved in educating our kids, helping them learn to read. 
Um, I do wonder on the other side of the pandemic, um, what the enduring impact will be for families um, that are engaged and aware. And I do think that as we focus on our work to empower our teachers, we should also be focusing on how do we better empower our parents as, as advocates and as informed consumers, um, both of education in the classroom, but also out of school, out of school programs, summer programs. I think um, this is a tremendous opportunity to empower families as well. Thanks you so much to both of you for being here and for sharing all your expertise in a way that's really easy to understand. After the break, we will be joined by State Superintendent Katherine Truitt. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. I'd like to welcome State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Katherine Truitt. It's great to have you back, Katherine. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Marianne. You've been very clear throughout your campaign and now in your first couple of months in office that early literacy is critical to addressing the needs of students in North Carolina. Will you please share a little bit about the approach that you wanna to take to early literacy in the coming months and years? Currently, we have been approaching helping struggling readers through what I would call a one-by-one -one approach. And we know that while that sounds like a, a great way to help children learn, learn to read, um, who have, are struggling to learn how to read, the data shows us that it's not working. This is what we've been doing for the past two decades. And our data shows that 67% of eighth graders are not reading proficiently when they start high school. Uh, this is a problem that spans socioeconomic backgrounds and um, uh, regardless of what district you live in, et cetera. And so really what we need to do is shift from that one-by-one -one approach to a more systemic approach that equips teachers to better support their students through research-based methods of early literacy instruction. And this is what is known as the science of reading. It's the body of research that we know from the last two decades of research, specifically in the area of how the brain learns to read, that tells us what we need to do differently when it comes to teaching children to learn to read. Would you talk a little bit more about how the department will roll out these efforts? What does this statewide framework look like when it comes to promoting this? So a statewide framework looks like support for teachers. And we believe that the agency is best equipped to work with the legislature to roll out training for teachers. You know, so often, Marianne, we ask teachers to um, change the way they do things and we don't give them the professional development or support to make those changes. We cannot make that mistake this time. We must ensure that initially at first, all of our pre-K through third grade teachers, as well as elementary school administrators and educator prep faculty at our wonderful colleges of education are all singing from the same hymnal when it comes to teaching our pre-service teachers to teach kids to read, as well as our current in-service teachers must also have the same training. How will we address some of our more veteran teachers or others who have experienced success with other approaches? When the training comes to these teachers, they will really see how 
there are some approaches that are grounded in science that, that truly um, are show how the brain learns to read versus ways that have been used for the past couple of decades that, that may appear to work for some students, but in reality, what's happening is that those students are getting help from home in a different way, leaving our most vulnerable and low-income students without the skill set they need to be successful in school. What we've heard from, from other um, places where teachers have undergone training, like, like what we're suggesting, is that they really do come, because the training is so clear in science and in data, and what neuroscience says about how the brain learns to read, that um, they very willingly switch their practice to these um, methods that are grounded in science. And have you started to work with school districts and superintendents and others in this work? We've had a lot of conversations with superintendents and currently right now, we just sent out a survey over the weekend to all of our school districts to um, do a deeper dive into what districts have done already, because we do have districts who have engaged in training grounded in the science of reading already. So of course we don't wanna duplicate uh, those efforts. So we have been reaching out to individual districts to say, hey, what have you been doing in this area? I know one of the things that we know is that how important a teacher is in the classroom is the number one school related factor that's connected to school outcomes. And as a state, we've definitely struggled and we're not alone with the recruitment and retention of our educators. I have a feeling this connects deeply to this work too. I wonder if you could share a little bit about where you want that to go as well. One of the, the best things that we could do as a state to um, increase the number of highly motivated and um, best and brightest um, to go into the teaching profession is to create um, a, a uh, or to not create, but to um, show young people that the teaching profession can be a career that has opportunities for advancement built in. And so um, in, it, we do have pockets of this in our state called advanced teaching roles where teachers can opt in to having more responsibility for greater pay. Um, we would love to see this codified across the way we certify and compensate teachers, which is work that we're going to be seeing occurring over the next couple of years. But the science of reading, this is a perfect example of how um, a teacher who is an expert and has specific training in this area could eventually become a mentor or a trainer within his or her own district, um, which would afford them the opportunity to, to be at a different pay scale um, and, and get promoted, so to speak, through acro across the years. We have to align this profession to that of other professions that appeal to this generation. And I know a lot of this uh, work when we think about the Leander short-term action plan, which certainly has gotten quite a bit of attention in the last while. Um, it does address early childhood literacy and, and early childhood in particular, and we've talked about that before. I just wondered if you'd like to comment on the connection of this work and how it supports that plan. I had the pleasure of hearing one of the country's foremost experts in the science of reading speak on Friday. And she said that when science of reading is implemented properly, um, 
95% of children will be reading proficiently in the first grade, which means that the science is clear, the research is clear. If we can start teaching children to read before they go to kindergarten, they learn how to read. And teaching a child to learn how to read prior to third grade is the number one indicator of success throughout the rest of that child's career. I know it may sound controversial. People say, oh, they should be playing, et cetera. Children love to learn to read. And I cannot wait to continue to advocate for early literacy in our state. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being here. As always, we appreciate all you're doing and your efforts to bring so many partners together across the state. After the break, this week's final word. A child who is not reading on grade level by third grade is significantly less likely to graduate from high school and 88% of students who drop out of high school were not reading on grade level in third grade. As we look at graduation rates, college readiness, or academic proficiency in later years, many of these outcomes can be tied back to early childhood education and literacy. This is not to discount the critical nature of other factors, but early literacy, especially reading on grade level by the third grade, is often a predictor of success for our students. There are many factors that contribute to successful early literacy, including students' lived experiences from birth through kindergarten, their access to books and texts in their early years, whether or not they attended preschool, their nutrition and health, and the ranges in school readiness with which students enter our public school system. While many organizations and school systems partner to support these factors, how literacy is addressed lays the foundation for a student's schooling as well as future opportunities and success in college, career, and citizenship. North Carolina has focused on early literacy explicitly for many years, but the efforts have not led to the results we want as a state overall, with only about 57% of our children reading proficiently in the third grade in 2018-19. Many are looking to address this gap. In a complex political environment with competing interests and needs, Renewed support at the state level from the Department of Public Instruction, the State Board of Education, and the legislature seems to be coming together around early literacy. Specifically, the discussion continues to center on the science of reading as the critical approach to follow. We heard in this episode about the science of reading, an approach steeped in research-based strategies that address neuroscience and how the brain learns to read. While this approach is often assumed to be synonymous with phonics, it goes beyond that to include phonemic awareness, fluency, comprehension, vocabulary, and phonics. Supporters of the science of reading share that understanding the cognitive processes that go into learning to read and how to effectively integrate that into daily instruction and support for students has the potential to reach more students and increase the literacy rate of our students substantially. Moving in this direction and implementing this approach to literacy across the state will take human and financial resources, partnership with districts, collective buy-in, and an ongoing commitment and supports to make this a reality for students. Targeted investment strategies, pre-service preparation for teacher candidates, professional learning for teachers, long-term support for recruiting and retaining effective and diverse teachers, and appropriate staffing to ensure that using this approach meets the needs of students in schools will all be critical as we look toward moving toward this literacy approach here in North Carolina. 
We must also recognize that some teachers are already implementing practices that align with the science of reading with their students. As we look at strategies to support the short and long-term needs of North Carolina and its students, a focus on early literacy has the potential to lay the foundation for our students' academic success and will take resources and a deep partnership with district schools and teachers. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.